Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams here, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. Now today you are in for a treat. We have my friend and incredible author and coach, Susie Moore. So I'm gonna be telling you a little bit about her in a second, but I just want everyone to bring their energy because I know Susie's gonna bring it. She's one of the most amazing people I know. So much fun. So today is all about laughing and really going for our dreams. So Susie is a best-selling author and the creator of Five Minutes to Famous, as well as a coach to CEOs and founders and an advisor to tech startups. She's been featured on The Today Show, Oprah.com, Business Insider, and Mary Claire, and many, many more. So welcome, Susie. So excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be with you, Emily. Thanks for having me. Already dancing, I guess. (laughs) That's right. Why not? You got to dance. Yes. So I know right now you're in New York City, but judging from your accent, the audience will hear that that's obviously not where you're from. So Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to take us back and tell us a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your own I Heart My Life story and what's led you to where you are today. Yes, that's a great question. So I grew up in the UK where you are, Emily, and that was pretty much, you know, where I was living the majority of of my childhood. And then around uh, age, yeah, at age 18, I moved to Australia solo, uh, lived there, got married, got divorced, met my now husband as my boyfriend and moved to New York with him uh, eight years ago. So I've been around the block, <laughs> I've been around, I've been around the globe, and uh, and it was really in New York that I think that I felt I had permission to pursue my ambition because I feel like you know America, New York specifically, is very it's a very ambitious place. People really think big here, and I went from like a really corporate employee working in tech and startups to uh, to a side hustler as a coach and writer, and uh, just over three years ago I made my side hustle my full time job. And that was probably my real I Heart My Life commitment to what it is I really like to do, just focusing on doing work that means something to me, that means a great deal to me. Amazing. So there's so many bits in there that I want to break down for everyone because, number one, people want to know how to turn their side hustle into the into their main gig, right? But I'd love yeah. to know a little bit more about what took you to Australia in the first place. So in the UK, it's pretty difficult to do this thing a gap year. I think they're still pretty popular. Yeah. Um, in the U- in the US, I think a little less so. But you take a gap between you know uh, high school and university. And I went to Australia that age because of course I just wanted adventure. And then when I got there, I just I don't know maybe it's sort of the rebel in me. I just didn't want to pursue the conventional path. I I, I loved it. I, I thought that, you know, I could certainly see myself there living there. And so I just married my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> as a very clever teenager does, uh, and, uh, and just decided to commit to like to a, a life in a new place. And so, you know, a lot was happening at that time. My dad died around that time. So I felt sad about going back to the UK and the university path, like, path was great, but that's what everyone was doing. And in a way, in my own mind, I thought if I could, you know, get a head start on working, then I'm kind of ahead of everybody else. I'll be like three or four years ahead. So in my mind, that was like such a no brainer. 
And I mean, at the time, probably if I was advising myself, I'd, I'd be like, whoa, you might want to think about that. But it actually turned out for the best for me. So I'm very happy I, I pursued the life that I did. So what job were you doing while you were in Australia? I, well, I had a the first job I got because I had no real experience was in administration, and I was uh, I was so I was I went to a recruitment company because I saw a job uh, for, for admin and I thought I can certainly do that, and I was fired from that job. <laughs> I was Why? fired from that job <laughs> because I'm terrible at administration. <laughs> terrible I was meant to be answering the phone I didn't answer the phone <laughs> I thought oh answering the phone it's just so boring and so when the phone was was ringing I'd say to people can you get that <laughs> I didn't like it and I wanted to be um, promoted into sales so I started you know like talking to clients and doing my thing on the floor but uh but so when I uh, when I was fired I went back to the recruiter who placed me and I said look I just I don't think I'm meant for that kind of job I think I need to be with something around people and she gave me my head start as a recruiter which is my step into a sales career and she said I think you should try it here and so around that time like age 1920 I stepped into a sales career started making commission checks started saving them all I bought my first apartment when I was 25 and I was just all like I was ambitious then and I think it's great. You know, there are lots of different ways to live your life and there are opportunities everywhere and you can really forge your own path. That's what I know for sure. Oh, I love that. And that's so refreshing for a lot of people to hear, I'm sure, where maybe they didn't mm -hmm. feel that university was the path for them and they did exactly what you did and jumped into a role. Um, mm -hmm. And now look at you. So we'll get into that in just a second. <laughs> yeah, the sales career is fantastic. It sets you up for so much success. And in recruitment, it's hard selling. It is like not door to door, but like just you know very close to that. And what a great training. What could be better training than that for life? Totally true. So mm -hmm. you were there at 25. And when did you end up getting divorced? Oh, before that. So I was, that. Uh, I was I was married and divorced like within like two or three years. Okay. And and then met my now husband, and then he was transferred to New York, and we came here together, and then got married here. Okay, amazing. Yeah. So yeah. New York. So how did you feel about going from Australia to New York? Well, it's very difficult, Emily. To uh, well, it was two thousand and nine. The market was depressed. You know, there weren't that many jobs. And, but I just knew I could do it. Like I just knew that if I came here and people could meet me, that they would hire me. And so I leveraged any single connection I had. I didn't have any, of course, US work experience or connections or a college degree, which is very important here. Very, very important here. So what I kind of learned was just to leverage what I did do have, focus only on what it is that I, uh, I can do well, what I know that I can, uh, I can offer. And I mean, if you hustle enough and if you just believe enough, then the opportunities do come. And I did have a couple of job offers after like two or three months. Oh, wow. That was fast. Yeah. But, you know, like I had nothing else to do apart from interview. Yeah. <laughs> like bake, bake cookies. I had nothing to do. So I tell you, like coming to New York and really knowing nobody, I just I leveraged anyone who had an American connection in my life and would just, you know, use it to, to network, to get coffees, to just focus on what it is, the value that I could bring. Definitely not focus on what I didn't have and couldn't bring. So really just working on your strengths always can work in your favor if you just if you just stay at it. And I know one of the themes of today is going to be mindset. And I'm sure that everyone listening can already hear what an incredibly positive mindset you have. So tell me, like this mindset and, and the work that we do is not necessarily the norm in the UK. I'm curious mm -hmm. to know where that mindset comes from for you because you're such a positive person. Is that natural or is that something you've worked on? 
It's something that I still work on daily. In fact, I was just um, with some of my friends uh, in, in LA at the weekend, and one of them said, you know, if you don't brush your teeth and if you don't do your personal development work every day, you're nasty. <laughs> and I think that's true. I mean, I'm always reading self-help books. I'm always listening to Abraham Hicks on YouTube. I discovered EFT recently, which I love. But I think it's so, like, your mindset is up to you. I mean, the way that I think about it is we're so fussy about the clothes we wear, the food we eat, how we keep our apartment. But we're not fussy about protecting our mind and just really, you know, guarding what's allowed in and insulating and protecting our confidence. So I'm very, very conscious of the people in my life, what I'm putting in my head, the way I talk to myself. These things are very, very, they're not, um, they're not always obvious. It's very subtle. But once I think you really start to master your inner, like, critic, like this morning I had a couple of negative thoughts. Uh, and immediately I recognize them. I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Oh, I had a bad. Because the way that I think about it is, you know, your emotions are data as to how you're thinking. And if you're feeling bad, it means your thoughts are just off or they're wrong. So if I start to feel a bit bad or a bit anxious or a bit sad, then I'm just like, oh, I need a little course correct in my mind. And I'm very conscious about activating the, the thoughts I know are true. So I'd love to talk to you about how you do that. But first, I'm wondering, was there a point where you started oh. to get really into this work? I know for me, when I was in my quarter life crisis, I realized like I was focusing on everything I didn't want it want. And I was focusing on what wasn't going right. And I was getting more and more and more of that. And so I started to watch Oprah and pay attention to what mm -hmm. she was saying about gratitude journals and focus on, focus on what I was thankful for and recognize mm -hmm. that things started to shift. So was there a yes. period of time where you went through a bit of a transition there? Yes, a very, very pivotal moment. In fact, it was just one book that I found in a secondhand store, bookstore, when I was like 15. Like I can't remember the exact age I was, but I was a teenager. So I'm happy I found it so young because it changed everything for me. The book is The Magic of Thinking Big. I'm not sure if you've read it. It's amazing by David Schwartz. It's, I mean, he's dead now, but I always joke that he's my biggest mentor. He was dead when I got the book, uh, but he's still in my head constantly. And a couple of the biggest things I learned from that book, I mean, everything is in that book, but the big, couple of the biggest lessons that I learned really young was that you can't have any excuses, like no excuses. And people love excuses, Emily, as you know. That'd be like, my parents didn't tell me they love me. You know, this is just my, my body type. This, you know, um, I just had this angry temperament. You know, oh, I, my parents were divorced. I don't believe in relationships. I mean, there are so many reasons we have, and they're fair reasons, you know, we don't always have the best start, we don't always have the best opportunities given to us, sometimes we do have bad money mindset kind of, you know, uh, pushed onto us when we're children, these things are all true, but it's really, we have to take full responsibility for our own well-being, and that is like the one massive thing I got from the book, and the second thing was like, action cures fear, so when you're afraid, you don't want to think, <laughs> you just want to act, like you just want to make the phone call, go to the interview, like do whatever it is that's frightening you. In, in the book, it gives this analogy of, you know, when you're about to dump, um, dive into a swimming pool, if you're standing on the, whatever it's called, at the top of yeah, the ladder, yeah, yeah, the diving board, yeah, and you're standing there for ages, it just gets worse and worse, versus just jumping in, and then you're like, oh, I could do that again, I can maybe even go a little higher. So action kills fear and no excuses. Those two things really kind of get you through probably 90% of like 90% of challenges. So true. It's like Mel Robbins five second rule. Just yes. Just taking that action. How often do some people don't take action for years, like four years. And right now I'm in the process, Emily, of, of um, finding an agent for my next book. And I've had some disappointments. Like I've had some disappointments and people have rejected me and that's okay. Uh, but I find that the I can 
I can feel the rejection and be sad or I can just continue taking action and that's where I'll not only get the results, but I'll just feel good about myself. Mm, amazing reminders. And so when you're in those moments of whether it's getting the rejection or like this morning when you had those negative thoughts, how do you shift yourself out of it? So this is one thing I think that's amazing if you can train yourself on it is to accept the disappointment in the moment and even release it in the moment. In fact, when I was in a meeting with an agent who wasn't interested in me at all, it was very clear. She was very nice about it. But in the moment, I was like, okay, this is a rejection. It's cool. I'm already over it. Like I'm like she and the meeting wasn't even over. Right. It was just like, but you know, it was wrapping and I was like, okay, wonderful. I'm like. I, I was like, thank you so much. Clearly, this isn't for me. If this is, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking this. Clearly, there's something, you know, that's better aligned for me. And this was, this was cool. This was interesting. But my bounce back time is pretty good. Like, that resilience you can train. And uh, it's just up to you to always just manage, like, what's next, what your next thought will be, what your next action will be. And the, I think the way that the trick is to always be paying attention to how you're feeling. So if you feel... You know, sometimes I can feel a bit frustrated with myself. Sometimes I feel behind. You know, sometimes I'm having comparison issues. I feel like just gross. I feel inadequate. I feel like heavy. And I'm like, this isn't how I want to feel. So you can either choose thoughts that are happier or you can just distract yourself and do something else. Distraction is also a great tool for getting out of, you know, the funks that we can get in sometimes. I love how you mentioned bounce back time because I really resonate with that. Recently, someone was asking me how I basically avoid negative thoughts. And James and I were laughing about that because I don't. I'm actually not a naturally positive person. I'm not a naturally happy person. And so I've had to do a lot of work to become happier. And it's still a work in progress, as you said. And it's about the bounce back time. It's not about avoiding all this stuff, never feeling fear, never feeling disappointment, but it's about how quickly you get back to that happier place or that driven place. Yeah, that surprises me, Emily, because you seem so focused and so on the ball with what you want. Like you're speaking about what you want, focusing on what you want. I know you do a lot of money mindset work, which is fantastic and important. So that's so. How have you managed your bounce back? Can I ask you? Yeah. So I mean, I'm always driven, but I think that's part of the problem because I'm so hard on myself. I have mm. such high expectations. So when something doesn't happen as quickly as I want it to, or doesn't happen the way I expect, I'm like, what did I do wrong here? And I can really spiral into a negative place and just be really mean to myself basically Mm, Um, and so I've had to really yeah work on that and I think I just have such high standards that it's like nothing's ever good enough Mm. yeah which is tricky right I mean I was actually tapping can I tell you about something that happened to me recently yeah so I was tapping about this recently when I uh something didn't go well for me no I was comparing myself to somebody who uh I considered more successful in a life area and when I was tapping on it with my I have a tapping coach it just comes back to the same thing all the time right and I said so his name's Greg and I was like Greg we always come back to this issue of worthiness Right. I'm like, we just keep coming back to it. I'm like, is it just me? <laughs> and he was like, Susie, everything comes back to worthiness, right? It's like relationship problems, health problems, like money problems, you know, our perfection problems. He's like, it just always comes down to us being able to say, I'm good as I am. Like, I just, I'm deserving. I'm worthy. Like this worthiness thing, we all struggle with it so much. And while I was reading one of uh, Dan Sullivan's books and he says we only have two fears as a human being. One is that I'm not enough and the other is I don't have enough. So it's like scarcity around not owning enough and that's why we're all so obsessed with, you know, accumulating in money. And the other is just not feeling enough as a human. Every other fear boils down to that. 
Like it can be it can be anything, but the, every other fear just boils down to these two things. And I think that when we simplify that, we realize we're all human, and we can just like speak lovingly to ourselves to the child within us. You know, you can consider yeah. like look at yourself as a child. I actually have a picture of me as a child on my vision board. I just think I'm not going to be mean to her. You know, I'm not going to be mean to her, and I'm also not going to let her down. I love it. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's that combination because I used to make myself so wrong for some of my negative habits or even I had a coach tell me once that I was showing up like I had four months left to live. And I was like, my God, that's not good, right? No one wants that. But at the same time, I can see the good and the bad of of that, right? Like it's really amazing that I'm so driven. I have this innate necessity that not everyone has. And of course, on the other hand, there are some negative things that come to with that that I have to work on but I can see the good and the bad there and I just like you I have in um, a lot of our programs there's a, a module about looking at that little picture that picture of that little girl and thinking about who she was and what she believed in because there's so much <laughs> wisdom there and just like yes. you said not being mean to her but also recognizing like she dreamed really big and she believed mm-hmm. anything was possible and sometimes we forget that along the journey. Yeah, I think that's something that you're amazing at, though, like your energy and your spirit. And it's just whenever I've been around you a few times, we've done brunch. And it's just amazing to be in your presence because you automatically just make me feel better. You make me feel more positive and stronger. And I think that's such a gift. Oh, well, thank you. That's a, that's a, the highest compliment. Thank you to uh, to say that to bring positivity. I think is really for me the, the, the biggest joy, uh, and I think that it's it's uh, I do that because I do it to myself. Right? And whatever we it's bring, obvious, give, yeah. to, give to ourselves, we actually Eckhart Tolle says, whatever you think the world's withholding from you, you're withholding from the world. Wow. Right? which I really think is true. In fact, I was I joined a group a couple of years ago, and I was like, I don't like this group. This group, they're, 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 not, they're not like me. Like, we don't have anything in common. And I realized it's because I was, I was joining that group with a, uh, with a get mentality, not like a giving mentality. So I realized, I was like, yes, Eckhart, yes. Because I was like, I'm withholding from them. I'm not giving to this group. And I think that they're not, you know, they're not giving to me. And so I just, I think that it's very, um, that, that's, that's just always like an aha when I remember that from him. That's so beautiful. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about this element of turning your side hustle into your main gig, which you've been able to do, and you're also (laughs) super skilled at writing. Obviously, you're on your second book, correct? Yes, I am. Actually, yes, my third book. Third book, yes. So I want to talk a little bit about that, because I know a lot of the I Heart My Lifers listening, they have that same dream, and hearing you talk about finding an agent and all of that, I'd love to know a little bit more about the process. Yes, love to. Dive in when we get back. Do you want to learn how to make and attract more money in your business? If so, my I Heart Money Live program is for you. It's a 10-week program where you can jump in, learn all about money mindset, how to transform the way you think about money, your relationship with money, and in turn, make more money in your business. So if you're interested, go to iHeartMoneyLive.com. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. 
Sports. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. If you want to skyrocket your reputation in your niche, attract premium clients and increase your influence using the power of PR, join me, Susie Moore, for a free training at GetRockstarPR.com. Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams and this is the I Heart My Life show and we have Susie Moore with us today. So we've been talking about mindset and positivity and Susie's journey from the UK to Australia and then to New York City. And for everyone listening, I think it's obvious that Susie is super driven, inspirational. She's just such a positive force in the world. And she also has an amazing business. So Susie, I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about your journey from having that career, then moving into side hustle, and now being full-blown entrepreneur. I love talking about this journey because I think that um, there, there are a lot of myths around what's possible and what taking a risk really is and what security really means. I've always kind of thought that security is an illusion. In fact, if you ever study any like kind of any history of like of, of the Buddha, he was a prince, he left his castle because he realized that his riches didn't protect anybody from sickness or death. Right? So it's like really what is this illusion of security or even uh, even abundance really, depending on how you know you, you perceive that. But I was, I was working, I had a great career, I loved it. I mean, working in sales, working in tech, it's very fast moving and innovative and cool. But around age 30, I just, I just thought, you know what? This isn't my life's work. If I look back and I've just been, you know, like head of a tech company, like it just, it started to feel like I, you know, I needed to make a change. I think that, you know, this is where your intuition must be trusted. And great. I'd always think, why can't I be satisfied with this? I had a great paying career, you know, certainly lots of, you know, perks and upsides. But I just thought, you know, it, it's not going to be my life's work. And uh, like, kind of like on the spot, spontaneously, I just decided to sign up for NYU to do some life coaching classes. And then immediately being this action person, I just decided to start coaching immediately in my training. You know, like day one, I just I put out there, I'm a coach <laughs> in training, but you know, a coach. And I started having some success as a coach because I was just so passionate about it. Like Emily, I've read all the self-help books. I wrote an article uh, called you know, the, the five lessons I learned from reading 500 self-help books, or you know, the five key lessons. And uh, I just knew that I could apply what I learned to help a little bit. You don't have to be perfect, right? I just thought if I could have a chat with somebody and they can feel better and maybe have a bit more clarity and more confidence, that's great. And probably like you, you've probably been a natural coach your whole life to people, right? People would come to you if they need a pay rise or they need to talk to you know, their parents about something tough or whatever. So I started coaching like weekends, evenings. The, the reason I started writing, and I don't think I'm a particularly good writer. I just think that I write. And because I write, then people find me. I mean, I'm not this poetic, gorgeous, you know, uh, I don't have these gorgeous sentences that move people to tears. Well, <laughs> in my dreams I do. But I mean, I just kind of write like I speak. You know, just keep it real on the paper. Uh, just get it out there versus, you know, worrying too much about it. And the reason I started writing was because I didn't want to go out there and network and pitch myself as a coach. I just wanted people to find me. And I thought, if I can write what I know to be true, some life lessons, just some life advice-based pieces, 600 words, nothing crazy, then people will find me. And they did. And that's how I grew my business. I'd write very honestly about how to overcome things, how to have a difficult conversation with somebody, how to know your worth. And people would contact me. And so I just thought, oh, this writing thing's got something to it. And, you know, this coaching thing's kind of like going to be a great business long term because people are always going to have problems. 
And so I was side hustling for around 18 months, making a few grand on the side, which is really nothing compared to my income, but it was enough, you know, enough for a few hours a week. And remember, like Emily, the average American watches 35 hours of TV a week. So you can side hustle. Like you, there is time to side hustle. I mean, check out if you lose the Instagram like scrolling. I mean, you can use it with intention. But I mean, there are so many things that you can lose if you want uh, to dedicate some time to side hustling. You only need like 12 to 15 hours a week to do it. Then uh, I thought, you know, if I'm doing this a few hours a week and I'm loving it, then if I just commit to it. Uh, for a while, even I didn't put like this whole, it's my life change now. We need to be careful about how we speak to ourselves even in that way, right? Like it's not so dramatic. I thought <laughs> if I commit to this for a while and I don't like it or it doesn't work out, then the worst thing that can happen is I'll end up or right back where I am in a similar cubicle just somewhere else. Yeah. And so again, like the, how big is that risk really? Right. Like what's the, like it wasn't, it didn't feel that risky to me. I thought, you know, if I just peace out in, on good terms, I can probably even come back. Um, and or just and or just end up somewhere else on the same salary, doing the same stuff different yeah. day, um, or I could just like kind of commit to this one thing because it feels right, and then just see where that takes me. Not not too much pressure, like just not too much pressure. And that was really it. That was three years ago. Yeah. Okay. There's so many pieces here that I want to talk about, but I loved everything that you said and the way that you're looking at this, because this is exactly how I want people to look at it. So the first thing you said was you started to realize around like age 30 that, you know, your current reality wasn't what you wanted your forever reality to be. And I think a lot of people see that. I'm thinking of um, Robin Sharma's book, uh, the monk who sold his Ferrari and he was literally looking at his boss and thinking that's not who I want to be. Right. And he, you know, went on this journey and, and, um, transformed his life and now does the work that he does. And I think so many people feel that they feel this little whisper of maybe there's something else, maybe there's something more. And so I love the way that you broke that down for yourself and you just started. You found the time in your week. You sticked, you had your job still. You didn't give it up, you know, the second that you decided to shift gears. You mm-hmm. built this business on the side and you just got started. You put yourself out there. You said you were a coach. And I always tell my clients this even if you're that step ahead of your ideal client, that's great. You can help someone. Yeah. You can help someone learn how to be more confident or shift their thinking or whatever it is. And then Mm -hmm. you just kept going. And then you realized, you know, what is the worst that could happen? So you followed your fear and you realized Mm -hmm. it's not really that bad. I did the same thing. I was like, I can get another nannying job. I can be a matchmaker again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like there, we just, I think that, but I think Emily, most people would choose misery over uncertainty any day. They will choose to be miserable over taking a risk. And this is, again, this fear, right? This kind of fight or flight fear we have. We'll choose to keep ourselves safe. So it's just good to explore that, appreciate it, like understand it, and then soothe yourself into releasing it a little bit. It doesn't have to be overnight or perfect, but just like a little bit think, hmm, what if this weren't so scary? Or what if it weren't true that it was one or the other? You know, like what if we could just allow, like uh, allow ourselves, like open ourselves up for a little bit of magic? Exactly. And the more people hear stories like yours, or maybe like mine, they start to see what's possible. Because I don't think a lot of people actually know what's going on in their mind. They think that their mind is speaking truth to them, instead of recognizing that it's just this playlist going over and over and over. And it's, you know, based on the past, based on what their parents have told them, or society or generations of programming, but it doesn't mean that they have to continue to think that way. But most people don't know that. 
Oh, and like that is such a good point. I mean, your thoughts aren't true. <laughs> they're not true. And they're not even you. Right? They're not even you. This is why it's so important to be quiet with yourself and listen to like to be to be in silence sometimes because you, you're so right. Like we, we we trust what is going around in our head, and I mean we're crazy. <laughs> but our thoughts are crazy sometimes. Think about your angry thoughts sometimes. How wild they are. Imagine if you trusted them. I'm going to punch him in the face. Like you can't do that, right? You also don't need to punch yourself like in the face every day, figuratively speaking, by you know uh, by thinking that you're stuck. You know, you're, you're re- like often like we're really not. We're not in jail. Right. Yeah. And even if you think about it, when we're asleep, you know, we don't believe our dreams to be truth. Most of the time they're crazy town. But sometimes mm-hmm. our awake thoughts are just as crazy as the thoughts when we're sleeping. <laughs> Yet we're like so convinced that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's really, really true. So I think it's important to number one, just acknowledge that that's a huge relief. And then understand <laughs> that you, you can choose something else. You can choose something else. You can open yourself up for other possibilities. Beautiful. And so you started coaching, you started writing, and how did you decide kind of what area or what niche to focus on? Was that something you gave a lot of thought to or did it just organically happen? Yeah, I never really think to these things much through. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, that, again, this is where the action brings the clarity, right? It's like I could think about it and think ideal client, blah, blah, blah. And those things are great exercises. Uh, but for me, I just I started doing some sales coaching, didn't like it. Uh, doing stuff around career, like that. Did some relationship stuff, didn't like that. Like, so you kind of, you, you, you test. You do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then just, I think life shows you what's good for you. And then the right people find you once you get into your zone. So, I mean, I, it's organic. And even the programs I've created and what I focus on now is based on what people need and what I think that I can offer well versus kind of um, being really intentional and creating something, just allowing it to happen and, uh, and just being in the flow of it. And what do you look for when you're getting these little clues? Is it just how you feel? Is it like the effect that you have on the clients? What are you looking for? I think it's how you feel because probably, Emily, as you know, just we could probably do a lot of things. Right, yes. you could do like a lot of things. You can coach this. You could probably run a restaurant. You could, you know, run a, a dating agency, be in real estate. I mean, but just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, right? So I'm a very think, good baker, but I don't think I should. I mean, you don't want to do that, right? I mean, if you yeah. did, it, but if that felt really good, you would do that, right? So uh, yeah, I think it's just like following your following your feeling, following your intuition, and no one can advise you. Like you are your number one advisor. Your intuition is your number one advisor. So just following what feels good and allowing it to work out, right? Because yeah. we're such like we're, we we block everything, you know. I mean, in my tapping coach always says the, the only thing there, there's never a stream of bad. There's only a stream of well-being in this world, and you can either be in it or you can just like remove yourself from it, cut yourself off from it. So I just think that you know the, the more we can just allow and relax a little bit, like relax. I mean, even ambition can sometimes feel heavy and focused and busy, and and often like you know like we were saying, the best ideas, the best opportunities come out of the blue when we're in a, in a, in a good feeling, but a high vibing place. So I think relaxing into it too is a is a really a wonderful way to know what the right thing is for you. And how do you do that in a place like New York City where everything's like go 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 and you're surrounded by ambition? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because it's hard, right? It's not like oh, it's just so easy to be zen and you know like to carry stillness wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I dream that I'm doing that. But I think it's important to have quiet times, which is hard for me because I'm extroverted and like being around people. But when I'm reading, when I'm writing, I have my kind of daily contemplation. That really spills over into everything. Because, you know, when you're kind of centered and more quiet, 
feel that you know that's the real you then when you when you're when you're connected to that you're in this place of allowing and you just see things differently even like a hustly busy place you don't have to be in it so much mm. of course, you get wrapped up in it and it's fun but you can still you can still bring a sense of your own quiet even if it's small wherever you are oh i love that for all the i heart my lifers listening you can bring a sense of your own quiet that's really mm-hmm. beautiful so take us back. So you were writing and you wanted to put yourself out there in that way versus networking and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. how did people, I guess my question for you, which I think a lot of people have is how do you get attention as a writer? Cause a lot of people can say, Oh, that's great. Well, I'll put something on my blog, but what if no one even knows I exist? How are people actually <laughs> going to find me? So tell yeah. us a little bit about how that worked for you. This is such a great question because I think it's extremely untapped. I think that guest posting, uh, writing for different publications online is like an absolute secret weapon in terms of building your business. I've grown over 80% of my email is subscribers from guest posting. So not only do I not pay for them, sometimes I'm even paid to grow my email list, which I think is pretty cool. Amazing. so I think so. It's great to blog, and having a great blog can be really life changing in terms of, uh, of of having a business that attracts a lot of people, and you become an authority. Uh, in tandem with blogging, I would recommend instead of just expecting people to come to you to your URL, it would be inserting yourself in a conversation that's already happening. So maybe in L or Marie Claire or Business Insider or Fast Company or Wine Body Green, you know, wherever it may be, there's already a big audience there, like millions of people. Sometimes these, these brands are over 100 years old. So it's great to have your home of everything that, you know, belongs to you on your blog. And there are great, you know, uh, programs too for setting up great blogs. But if you can also just join a busy conversation, just like enter it, like enter it hot, then people not only know about you, but they also can link back to you, to your blog and find out ways to contact you, to join your email list, go to your landing page, you know, whatever it may be. So this kind of, you know, guest posting, blogging, you don't have to be perfect. Like you don't have to be a great writer. Really, I mean, I look back at a lot of my pieces and cringe. <laughs> they are so bad. Oh my gosh. But you know, what can I do? Uh, they got me here. You know? So it's, uh, it, I think this, this tool, this weapon of being able to contribute your voice to a conversation and have a point of view, not only makes you an expert, gives you a lot of credibility and authority, but it really, it grows your business. It grows your business in a way that most people aren't doing because they, they, they think it's inaccessible. They think they have to be perfect to write, or maybe they just don't know how to get started. So can you break it down a little bit more for us? So mm-hmm. what was the first, say, guest blog post that you were a part of? Yeah, so uh, the first, okay, this is a great clue. So when you think about who is it you want to serve, right, who, who your clients are, or we you know who, who's going to buy your product or service, often it's probably that they, they can be similar to you. Not always, but in most cases in the beginning, that can be true. So when I was at my desk, like bored, daydreaming, you know, at work, I'd often be reading Mind Body Green because I love, I love their just kind of thought-based pieces about, you know, happiness and joy and um, these things I wanted to always feed my mind. So I just thought, I'm going to write, I'm going to submit something to them, right? Again, don't have to be perfect. So I wrote my first piece, and it was published in January 2014, um, called, like, No is the New Black, uh, Five Ways to Calm Down Your Busy Life, right? That was my very first piece. I mean, I look back, it's terribly written, right? But hey, it got me started. It was published. It was shared a few thousand times, and it, it generated leads to me. Like immediately. So I, I just felt like I was onto something. I didn't really have a grand plan or, at all. I just thought, okay, if I just do that again, 
Like I can do that again and maybe I'll do it again somewhere else and then again somewhere else. Like you just take the next small step. And that was kind of like the foundation of everything. I mean, how much were you writing every single week? Like one piece a week? Yeah. Like 500, 600 words, that's one page in a bit. It's not a lot. And you can repurpose stuff from your blog. You can take a podcast interview you've done, get it transcribed. If you have a book, you can take chapters from that. There is so, you probably have a lot more content than you think. Like this conversation right now could be transcribed into like 10 steps to something or you know, yeah. whatever. And people can help you with that. But we have a lot more content than we think. And so there's a lot you can already leverage in your business. That's why I'm so passionate about showing people how to do this because not only does it grow your business, it's tremendous fun, but you kind of catapult ahead. I mean, once people see you in these big publications and these big names, you get you get a lot of opportunities from that, like branding opportunities, speaking opportunities, book deals. These things come when you're considered an expert. And you don't have to be an expert to start. Once you start, you become the expert. Hmm, amazing reminder. And yeah. just so everyone is clear, every publication, they have submission guidelines right there on their website, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are also some other kind of sneaky ways. I mean, I, I do put this in my program, which I know that um, we'll mention, but it's there, there are websites that you can use to find specific email addresses. There are creative ways to find contacts. Every time you get a piece of media, you leverage that to get the next piece. It's easier and not, uh, it's not as confusing or overwhelming as you might think in the beginning. Yeah, I just wanted people to really understand that. And you did this from the beginning. And so it just goes to show, again, what's possible and how you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to be able to do this. It's only five to 600 words (laughs) and people can find the time. Yeah, you can even do it once a month. I mean, yeah. you can do it whenever. And you can do it on the plane. You can do it at work when you're supposed to be working, taking notes in a boring meeting. I mean, I would do all of that. <laughs> and, I mean, sooner or later, you have this library of work, and you're like, oh, man, I didn't even think I did anything. But, there, you know, this stuff lit. And, you know, the beautiful thing about the Internet, it has a perfect memory, so your pieces live forever. So you're generating leads forever. It's not like an ad that disappears or an ad that, you know, it, you go dark when at the, the end date of your launch. Like, this stuff is out there forever, always driving people to you. Yeah, the internet has a perfect memory. I've never heard that before. I love it. Oh, it's best. Yeah, and it's, it's our good. tool. Like we're so, we're so lucky to be alive now, Emily, to have all of this available to us. Agreed. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. I want to pick up here and talk to you a little bit more about what's next for you. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. 
Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams and I'm here with Susie Moore who is a writer and coach and we've been talking all about getting started in your business or in your side hustle and moving forward with your dreams. And one of the things we talked about before the break was this element of guest posting in order to grow your business and grow your following. And Susie's described exactly how she was able to do that. And one of the things I know we didn't mention yet, you kind of touched on it earlier, Susie, but I want to make sure to point it out is that you're always really adamant that whatever the publication is, that they include a link back to you in some way or another. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, that's right. That is important. So you always want to be featured in different places. Like, for example, I'm in uh, the Zoe Report, which is Rachel Zoe's you know, you know, uh, online presence um, in posts like Britain Co and Elite Daily and Refinery. Some places allow links, some places don't allow links. So if they don't allow links, you only need to really be in them once because that way you're featured in Refinery, featured in Elite Daily, you know, you know, wherever it may be. But the best places to focus are those publications that will allow you to have a short bio immediately following your last sentence saying who you are and then including a link to, it might just be your website or blog, it might be a landing page, it might be some form of opt-in, it might be a link to your book. That's really where you want to focus because that's where the media moves the needle. Because not all media is created equal. And I've realized that over the years now, uh, when I maybe just hustled to get in certain places that didn't really drive results for me, apart from a nice ego boost, seeing my name somewhere, that you know, the, a publication I love. But it didn't really get me subscribers, didn't get me inquiries, didn't drive my book sales. So really knowing and understanding the places that allow you to really bridge that gap between your peace ending and then a, a call to action to, to, you know, to find out more about you or whatever your action is, that's really critical for, for focusing. And did you just ask people whether they had allow it or is it normally obvious? You can see it, so you can just check it out online, but yeah. I, I always ask. Even okay. if they say no, even if they said no, yeah. <laughs> even if they say no once, I'll ask again. I'll say, this time are we able to? This time are we able to? And if it's always a no, then I just I, I don't write any more for them because I know I have a, I know what my goal is and I know what I'm focusing on. And so uh, in the beginning, I would certainly I'd write just to get kind of every logo on my website. Like I'm here, there, everywhere. But uh, and I could you know kind of always tailor my talks you know based on the audience was to include the names I knew would be appealing to them. But now I really only focus on places and write for places that allow my people to, to link and be driven directly to me. Is there any publication in particular that's helped move the needle for you more than anything else? Uh, there are a few. So I have a column at greatest.com, which is an awesome uh, website for millennials largely. So greatest.com, Business Insider is fantastic. Uh, the Huffington Post has been fantastic. They always allow links. Um, uh, Money Magazine is wonderful. Amazing. There, I mean, yeah, there, I mean, there, there are so many. If you can just kind of check out different author profiles and articles online, you can see like who, who's linking to what and then who's just going to other articles and so forth. So okay. that's a really, really, that's a really, really great point. Beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about how your first book came to be? Yes. So when I uh, started coaching, uh, I was getting all these different inquiries and, you know, people kind of come to you for different reasons. People were consistently coming to me asking how to do what I did, right? How to get started while working. Because often, you know, in a coaching, uh, in the beginning, people often know you or they're friends of friends and they see your evolution. And people were asking me how they could do it, how they could start, you know, one wanted to be an event planner, one wanted to do write people's resume because she was so good at that and had been doing that for years. And she's like, can I make money doing that? And it's always a yes. <laughs> and uh, so p people were asking me how to get started. And so I basically just put it in a book. 
I thought if I can just take all these inquiry, you know, take take all the questions, break it down, and make it available at a really accessible price for for people as best you can in a book, you know, with no live elements and so forth. Then I basically just answered what people were asking about. And and when I first released my book, I self-published it. Then it was released by a traditional publisher. I didn't even put subtitle in the the. I didn't put side hustle in the subtitle because side hustle wasn't even trending then. I mean, now it is, right? If yeah. you look, I mean, everyone says side hustle, everything side hustle hashtag here, there, everywhere. But back then it wasn't, so it was still newish. Then this term of having a side hustle, you know, it's just like a side gig or a part time job. But now it's really, really grown, and I'm happy that I kind of captured that. I was, part, you know, part of that. So if you can even understand and listen to what people want from you, what you're hearing, you can often create something too. That can and what be really was the name of your first book for everyone listening? So the first book, it's the same title, What If It Does Work Out? And the subtitle was different in my first book. Gosh, I can't even remember it now. But it was like, How to uh, Make Your Passion and Income some, and a couple other things. But now it's, uh, What If It Does Work Out? How a Side Hustle Could Change Your Life. Okay. So the publisher actually put it in because it was trending even months later. So if you just, again, just pay attention, listen, see what people want and just give them that, then that's, I think, where the success comes. Not focusing on what you want necessarily, but paying attention, listening, and then doing what feels good based on that. And how did you go from self-publishing to actually getting it published and getting that book deal? This is the ding, 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 guest posting win again, right? So uh, when you guest post, again, people just hear about you, they hear your voice, they get to know you. One of my readers from, I can't even remember which publication she found me now, but she was like, I've been on your email list for a while. I think she found me from Greatest. And she and I emailed my list saying, help me choose my book cover. Because I was doing the, uh, the you know, getting the, my audience to help me choose. Because I was, again, um, self-publishing. Uh, self so I emailed saying, help me choose my book cover. And she's like, I would like to buy this book from you. I'm a publisher, et cetera, wow. et cetera. But that, that came from her following a guest post, joining my list. This guest posting is like the gift that keeps on giving forever. <laughs> and, I, you know, one thing I also say is, you know, it's great to have leads from, you know, paid sources. And I certainly do that too. But I think sometimes the leads you get from people who read your life articles or Emily, someone read a piece about you where you're just really being honest about something that's important for you and people, you know, read it, they then link to you, come to you. That's a different lead versus someone who opts in via a Facebook freebie. You know, so Great. I think that just the relationship you build, you kind of just, it accelerates much faster. You're in that kind of trust phase very quickly. So yeah, so that also came from guest posting, my book deal. I think it's so important to just point out that no one ever told you to like build your business through guest posting. Is that true? Oh, yes. Yeah. Nobody so this is another intuition that. piece. Yes. So trust it. Just like follow the breadcrumbs, man. <laughs> it's like, well, like, get an idea. Trust it. Do it. Okay, that worked. What else? What next? What next? And again, not some grand plan. It's great to have a goal and a vision. Uh, I always find visions are great because they kind of keep you, you know, motivated. But really, just like the, the it's like the day-to-day -day small steps that add up. Like if you take a step every day for a year, two steps every day, like over 365 days, that's, I mean, you can see some like some really rapid shifts. And I'm sure people say to you too, Emily, like, gosh, you came out of nowhere or that, you know, who, who is this girl? And you're like, I've been doing the work. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been working it like quietly, you know, in just quietly doing my thing, you know, not very sexy, not very, not, not crazy, you know, like impressive. But I've just been quietly doing the work. That's it. 
Totally. And I think so many people need to hear this because everyone is looking for a strategy. Everyone's looking for a blueprint. Of course, there are people like you and me who can give guidance and share our story of what worked for us. But so much of it is about intuition and about feeling into what is right for you and right for your audience and right for your journey and your story. And so many people discount that and they're like so in their head and they're forgetting to call on the intelligence of their heart. Yes, it's it's really true. And no, I mean, this is your best gift, right? Your, like your special gift is your connection to yourself, to the universe, and only you can listen and download that. So yeah, maybe it tells you to listen to that mentor or to pick up that book or to try this strategy or to, you know, to write a piece, whatever. Trust that, but no one can tell you exactly what to do. Like you, you know, you have the answers. And so you have the, the first book and now you've mm-hmm. published a second one, correct? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually I'm about to release a, a version of Aesop's Fables to my audience. So I love Aesop's Fables. Do you know them, Emily? Oh yeah, yeah. So a lot of people don't know them. Our generation don't necessarily know them, but uh, stories like the boy who cried wolf, or you know, the fox and his sour grapes. These are fables, and we use them often in conversation. Uh, but I found a book that was written in the 1800s, directly translated from the Greek from Aesop. So I'm launching that as a passion book for my for my audience. And then, yes, I'm so I'm selling my next book and signing with an agent, hopefully in the next couple of months. Amazing. So to release my next book next year, which is a book on confidence and manifesting. And I know that you took a trip to write that. Is that correct? Yes. So my husband and I spent the month of February in Bali, which is pretty fantastic. Again, there are so many things that you can do if you just want to do them. <laughs> Often we create these barriers. <laughs> But it is a surprise, right? It's like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, you can probably do a lot more than you realize. You don't have to stay in your apartment. or you know, There are a lot yeah. of different things that are available to you when you open yourself up to them. Yeah, it's that permission piece. I know even when James and I were getting married, I wanted to get married at the Ritz in London. And he's like, what are you talking about? We could never do that. And I said, you're not even going to go and have a meeting. You're not even going to go and try. And so, like, you know, he's very inspirational as well. I'm not saying that it's all me, but there are many times where I have these big dreams and, you know, other people would think that I was crazy, but you can at least try, you can at least check it out. You can at least research the hotel or book the flight or whatever it is um, Mm -hmm. and step outside of the box. But so many of us don't even give, give ourselves permission. I love that, Evelyn. I think too, you know, that's why we're connected because it's a, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to just have a, uh, have I mean, not no limits thinking, but a, a way of, uh, of thinking, oh, why not? Yeah. Why not? I always okay. say, why not me? Someone has to get married at the Ritz. Why not me? <laughs> why not you? And the other question I love, apart from why not me, is so what? Yeah, right? so like, what? I, I, I joke that I'm rejection proof. <laughs> and even in, my, uh, even in my program, I have a, a module called rejection proof pitching. And the thing is, you can be rejection proof. Right? I mean, rejection's even a perception. Yeah, it is. Rejection is protection for me. Ah, yes. I've had a great quote about that. Yeah, it's true, right? About what you're being protected from. Yeah. So I think that there are just, if if you can just, it's all mindset, right? Like, like, you know, like we were saying, there's no right or wrong. There's no, this is, this is possible. This isn't possible. It's just really up to us. And as you built your business, something else that became possible is that your husband was able to leave his job and join you. So tell us about that. Uh, so that's that has been it, it was that was in the summer so it's been a few months now yeah 
a few months now. Well, you're the visionary, right? And he might be more of the process person. And, you know, it was a big learning curve for James and me as well. It's not something we ever planned to do in terms of working right. together. And it's strange when you start something and then someone else comes in regardless of who it is. And it can feel a bit weird when you're like the boss of your husband and you're trying to figure yes. out the roles. <laughs> and so it definitely is a big learning curve. But I love what you said about being able to travel together and live your life together because I think it is difficult when one one person is in that job that keeps them a bit more grounded in one place and then you have the have more flexibility. Do you have any advice for couples like me cuz you've been doing it longer, right? And you yeah. kind of like yeah, what, what's your advice for couple, couples who are, like, not killing each other every day? <laughs> I think bed. for us, it comes back to not making anything wrong. And so realizing, like, so I've been filming these episodes all day today, and I need, James was eating lunch, and I was eating lunch, and I just put my headphones on and watched, like, a cheesy episode of Party of Five, which I'm, like, really addicted oh. to right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. And I was, like, he tried to talk to me, and I said, you know what, I really just need to, like, veg out right now because I've been talking to people all day do you mind and he was like oh yeah no problem and so he just went downstairs but in the past I would feel really guilty about that and then I would make myself wrong for feeling guilty and then I end up resenting him and he didn't even do anything and so it's just that honest communication and recognizing like it's not personal if I say that it's just how I'm feeling and so owning it and having that the strength to communicate that's been one of the biggest shifts for us. I really like that because it's so easy to make somebody else wrong if they're just not doing it our way right. All right, or completely aligned with us. And thinking somebody's going to be just like you is kind of crazy thinking. Totally. And I wouldn't want to be married to myself. That would be crazy and horrible and very I wouldn't stressful. want to be married to me. <laughs> so thank God that James isn't exactly like me. Yeah, I do think too it's important to just have a sense of humor and again, just yeah. keep it light. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm very serious. And like I said, I can be, you know, overly driven. And so he definitely, he doesn't worry about the big picture. He just knows that everything will be okay. And I really need that, you know, and when I'm not being kind to myself, he's a reminder, like, are you, you're crazy. Like, that was amazing. You did such a good job. And it's just, you know, so supportive. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Maybe I'll be nicer to my husband now. <laughs> when he does something that isn't exactly how I want it to be done. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard. But they also have, you know, a different way of doing things. And that could bring, you know, something refreshing to the business and just something. In terms of the process, I've realized James is better at that. And so we can use those strengths. Like he has meetings with our team every single day and really loves that. Whereas I don't like to talk to people. <laughs> so I'm more introverted. Right. So I do my own thing. Yeah, that and so you're just owning what you do, yeah. owning the strengths that you have, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of like combined strength in that, right? Totally. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I love to ask everyone on these shows is a little bit about what's coming up for you and what you're excited about. Mm. Uh, a few things. Uh, right now, I'm really excited about the program that has been um, that's been really well received this year, specifically around guest posting. It's called Five Minutes to Famous, and it's all about how you can just basically do the same thing I did. If you're interested in getting your voice out there, growing your kind of you know cred in your field, and being able to grow your email list in, in a really untapped and creative way, it's totally possible for everyone. So that I'm really excited about. Also, I mean, my next book. You know, at at heart, I feel like you know, writing allows you to reach a lot of people. 
a lot, a lot of people. And I think a lot of us in the industry that we're in, it really is our intention to make an impact and to connect with a lot of people and share what it is that we know that can be of value, right, to, to people who want to hear it. So my next book, my current program, and then I mean some personal adventures. After the uh, the Bali experience, we're looking to do something similar again in another country, probably this year. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> Especially again, why not? And then uh, overall, I mean, I feel as if you know, having a business, it's great to have your plan and what you're focused on, but also being in a place of like receptivity, what also can be coming to you. I yeah. feel like, I always think like this is a good day, it's a good year. And I think uh, there, are, uh, there are a few other things that could be, um, could be coming my way based on just my own intuition and level of excitement. Hmm, I love that. And how do you recommend that people just like you create a life that's better than your dreams? I think number one, understanding that you can, it's possible. It's completely possible. We do create our own reality and we are in charge of so much. And we, when we take responsibility for it, it's, it can be a little bit scary, but the, the virtues of it and the fun of it and just the empowerment that comes with it is so much bigger than anything that, that can frighten you. And the secret, I mean, for me, is just small steps consistently. Like yeah. action, act in the face of being terrified and knowing it's like, the question, like the name of my book, like what if it does work out? Be focused on what can go well because positive expectation is such a, like a, a powerful force in our lives. Yeah, I love how you reminded everyone how much further along they'd be if they took one step every single day. So 365 steps closer. You'd have a badass business with totally. 300 steps. <laughs> yes, life, anything, body, what, savings account, like all these yeah. things that we could consistently, consistently and small, that's it. it it's, not, it's not so scary and it, it can be easier than we, than we might think. Yep. So where can people find you, Susie? Uh, my website is susie-more.com, so S-U-S-I-E-M-O-O-R-E.com. And then if you want to check out 5 Minutes to Famous, it's 5 Minutes, F-I-V-E, Minutes to Famous.com forward slash Emily. Amazing. Thank you so much, Susie. It's been incredible having you here. And to all the I Heart My Lifers listening, I'd love for you to really pay attention to everything Susie said today. She's been so inspirational and it's true. All you have to do is start taking that action. The fear will get smaller and smaller and smaller. It might always be there, but you have the power to move past it and move forward towards your dreams. And you too can create a life and business better than your dreams. You just have to get started today. So until next time, I'm Emily Williams, and this is the I Heart My Life show. I'll look forward to seeing you on an episode very soon. Bye.